All right. Welcome to Voices of the Valley, Episode 7. I'm here with Krista Applequist, Moraine faculty member. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming, taking time out of your day coming here. It's it's honestly means a lot. You know, uh, this is just a startup kind of thing, so it's awesome that you're here. So I heard that the speech team just took regionals this week. Yes, we did take a gold medal, which mm -hmm. is the equivalent of a first place at the regional tournament. Yeah. So regionals includes um, all the community college speech teams in Illinois. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and so how does that work? Is it like, what, is there like a thing you have to write a speech on or do you do your own speech? Okay, so forensics, so yeah. competitive speech and drama is called forensics. Okay. Sometimes people are like, are your students like cutting up dead bodies? And like, <laughs> look, I can't chaperone them all the time, yes. but that's not what we do. <laughs> um, it's called forensics because Aristotle taught forensics argumentation, mm -hmm. as in court of law argumentation. And early law school students would say, hey, let's make a forensics team so we can just practice argumentation. Mm -hmm. So we had the word first. Um, forensics works like a track meet. So you know how if you join track, you might be a hurdler. Um, you know, they might be a 100-yard dasher. Somebody else might do, you know, the 440. Um, we have that, but we have informative speaking. We have persuasive speaking. We have humorous speaking. And then we've got a whole slew of drama events, poetry, um, monologue. We have a dialogue where it's actually two competitors talking to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's one that kind of mixes them. So, and then we've got the off-the-cuff events mm -hmm. where you get a topic and you have about two minutes to think and then you write a five-minute speech. Not write, but kind of mentally prepare one mm -hmm. on a note card and then give it. Wow, that's wow. awesome. And so you took gold in what categories? Well, like a track um, yeah. team, you know, you could go to a tournament and just win your event. So you could win informative speaking, say, as a competitor. Yeah. Yeah. But then everyone else on your team didn't even make it to finals. And then you get that personal award, yay. Mm -hmm. But every individual who gets to finals and gets an award accumulates points toward the team. Yeah. So the team's trophy at state, we took second place. At regionals, we took a gold. Mm -hmm. And it would be too long for me to name all the different speeches and what they earned. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, so... So, like, for example, I had several students win first place in the humorous event. And yeah. um, well, I had one win first place, one win second place, you know, yeah. one win, like, fourth. That's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. And so and so, if somebody takes second, I'm like, who beat you? Oh, a kid from our team. It's fine. You know, so that's it's just so many. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So what got you into, like, being the speech coach? Like, what got you? What's your drive for it? Weirdest thing. So, um, you know how there's those people who knew what they wanted to major in since they were born and they've just followed this one path? That's my older sister. Right? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so envious of those people. I was mm -hmm. lost. Yeah, I me too. I had no idea. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I, I was an athlete in high school and, and then I even played sports in college and then one day I was walking around. I didn't know what to major in, so yeah. I picked communication. You know, mm -hmm. I think it just like catches a lot of us that way. And I was walking around bored. Um, at Eastern Illinois University, and I saw a flyer printed and posted on a on one of those bulletin boards that said speech team tryouts. And I thought, that sounds like a rush. That sounds like fun. I'm just going to go for it. So I walked into the speech team tryouts, and the first thing the coach did, he goes, I'm going to have everybody go around the room and do kind of a brag session. And people were like, yeah, I was a first place in high school persuasion, and somebody else, everyone's doing it. And they got to me, and I actually stood up and said, I'm so sorry, I don't belong here. I've actually never done speech team, you know, so, and they, they all were so nice. They go, sit down, sit down. No, no, you're gonna be great. And so I walked onto my college speech team and um, found success there. And then when I graduated, I went to Northern Illinois University and they said, hey, we need somebody to help coach and, you know, 
we got good recommendations from you. So then I started coaching there. And then in grad school, I started looking for jobs and I saw Moraine Valley hiring a full-time speech faculty member, forensics preferred. And those two words, I was like, oh, I'm mm. on it, you know? And then that was a long time ago. I started teaching here at Moraine when I was 25. Oh, wow. Thank goodness, because I was just old enough to get hotel rooms and a van for the team. If I had been any yeah. younger, like I would have had to have like somebody sign off on all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I think 25 is that age for the rent. Yeah. Right. To rent yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, how like when you when you started and saw that flyer, like I think it's so awesome that you like completely went for it, like even though you didn't ever do it mm -hmm. before, because I think there's a lot of people that like don't have that in them where they see something it's kind of intimidating at least that mm -hmm. is for me like if I see something like that and I've never done it I just like I shy away from it because like I've never gone for it but it's crazy that you had like that that intuition to just go for it there are so many students I recruit and they're like I'm interested but I've never done it I'm like that's yeah. okay <laughs> yes yeah and you yeah. really found your your path that way oh you my know. gosh yes yeah yeah what what a, what a game changer I walked mm -hmm. by a flyer you walk by a flyer <laughs> I mean that's why they make them yeah <laughs> right right yeah yeah so and that um, was my transition from athletics into this activity and yeah had i not seen that flyer i don't know i might be the softball coach so yeah <laughs> who knows um so you were a comm teacher then right so That's you, right. yeah so you majored in communications mm -hmm. and probably teaching or education something like that yes Mm -hmm. um, when you go to graduate school, you can pick sort of a focus. Yeah. So I focused on rhetoric. It's, you know, the study of persuasion. Yeah. And um, I did do a teaching graduate assistantship. That's where they say, hey, um, we'll pay you a little tiny bit of money if you teach freshman comm classes. Yeah. And so I did that. And I coached the speech team. Mm -hmm. So that was the experience. That was all the experience I had, you know. But it was two years worth. Yeah, that's cool. So you have a, do you have a PhD or just a master's Nope, just, just a, a master's degree. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't have much interest in my field beyond mm -hmm. competitive public speaking and, mm -hmm. you know, the basic speech courses. And yeah. I teach an argument course as well. So there's an argumentation course and a basic public speaking course. Mm -hmm. So, so you're like, you found that flyer and you just became like in your career, all that speech, yeah. all that. That's awesome. Like just that one little thing, like, I don't know. It seems like a moment in time that was, but it like, was. it's just like a pathway is just kind of crossed. It was like a new chapter being written. I'm like, yes. this looks fun. <laughs> then almost didn't do it and yeah. then had so much fun. But the program I was in, it was one of those open door programs. Anyone mm -hmm. can join who's willing to work hard. Yeah, exactly. So not all speech teams are like that. Some are like, we either recruited you out of high school or don't talk to us. Mm -hmm. And this was one of those educational type of programs. And so, as you can guess, that's what we've created here at Moraine Valley. Mm -hmm. Anyone is welcome to walk into this speech team, regardless of experience. Mm -hmm. And did you have like a, an innate fear of public speaking? Terribly. Like, terrib so that might be another reason why too, mm -hmm. to just like get over that, you know? Oh my gosh. It was so hard. I was terribly nervous in classes mm -hmm. or in competition. Um, the only difference between me and other people, everyone feels very nervous for yeah. public speaking, is that I wanted to do it. I wanted to conquer it. It was so yes. fun for me. Um, yeah. To really challenge yourself mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, interesting. Um, and, you know, I also heard that you're a stand-up comedian. Yes. You do do stand-up. So this is going to sound like a familiar theme. Yes. But... Um, we have that event in forensics, the humorous speaking. Yes. So for years, I'd written jokes for other people, jokes that wouldn't even make sense if I said them. Just I'd helped, you know, coach those speeches and coach the humor. Mm -hmm. And then one day, 
at age 42, <laughs> I was like, I want to go try stand-up comedy. Yeah. And, th- and that was my opening line. I walked into the open mic and I said, you know, I just started, this is my first time doing stand-up comedy and I'm yeah. 42 years old. So for you young people, I want you to remember, this is what a midlife crisis looks like, <laughs> you know? So I think it, I think it so does funny. just fall in line with that theme of, I don't yeah. care if I've done it before. I don't care how old I am. Let's try this. Yeah. You know, and it's a blast. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah. I've always, I've grown up watching stand-up with my dad, like at late nights. Yeah, like Jim Gaffigan was probably one of the first ones I've ever watched. Yeah, Um, my uncle does stand-up as well. Really? Yeah, I went and I visited him in L.A. over the summer, and I actually saw him do stand-up. For the first time, I saw stand-up in a club. And I went there because he does like an internet news show where it's like more journalism and reporting kind of thing. Mm. But he does it from his own like lens, his own comedic you know mm-hmm. and so he just uh i saw him do stand-up i was like i don't know if like like if i want to do stand-up or if i want to do this because stand-up looks like so much fun yes. and like it, it does it looks crazy it looks like a blast but i know it's like a rise and grind kind of thing you got to keep doing it if you want to make it yes. you know but it seems like you just kind of want to do it to again conquer oh. a fear maybe or like i have no interest in making it yeah people ask me well why are you like, I mean, these things are like Monday nights. Sometimes they do these contests that are like Thursday nights, yeah. late at the school. Like, why are you doing this? It's just fun. Just the process of yes. getting up there and working a room. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. Like, I don't want the speech team to have all the fun. Like, I want to yeah. have my spotlight, too. And it, that is, and I like listening to the other comics, mm-hmm. too. Com- com- comedy is one of my favorite things to listen to. Yeah. And it sounds like awesome what your uncle does because it brings in probably bigger topics. Yes. And more um, intellectual material combined with humor. So. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, he just, uh, his big thing is that he's reporting it differently than all the mainstream news mm. media platforms that do it because it seems like they all kind of have the same rhetoric. They all kind of have the same bias. They're all paid by the same person. Yes. yes they're all owned by the same people. So I he, love that you know that. That's yes. a whole unit in my class. It's a whole the unit. Information literacy unit. Yes. yes. That's awesome. Yeah, I know that just because of him, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, just having him in my life opened my mind up a lot to like our politics and the mm-hmm. way that media is run and stuff like that. We're talking to students from other countries. Yes. They can like call out our narratives and how like limited they are and how yeah. politicized for profit mm-hmm. they are, especially if it's TV news network and it's just, just so limiting. Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. I never knew that they could call it out. Like, like it's that obvious. The students you know? from another country can't because yeah. they're like, that is not how our country is covering the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, so things like that. Yeah, and um, I don't know if there's like, they're all owned by the same person, and that's like right. really like what kind of, I don't know, it doesn't, it's not like a free news media mm-hmm. outlet anymore. It's not like a something that, that I don't know, actually provides good information. The news you know conglomerate. I mean? Yeah, so exactly. Here's a, here's, here's a way to shape this narrative that's very profitable. Mm-hmm. Let's run it this way on all the networks. Mm-hmm. You know? And then we'll tell everybody that we're the real news source and that all the other news sources are bad. <laughs> exactly. It, it just, uh, they create like a fake conflict between them. Oh, know? right. The yeah. engineered, oh yeah. my gosh, like the engineered conflict. One of my favorites goes way back, like more than a decade, I think, was Fox News's War on Christmas. I'm like, there's a war on Christmas? <laughs> just like in the movies. There are so many examples of that, but they're yeah. constantly picking something and they are after us. I don't know who the they is. It's just, yeah, yeah. they use fear and it affects people. Yeah. There are media studies that show that people who watch too much TV news are fearful and yeah. full of angst. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. uh, I read a book 
oh, back in high school, it was called Manufacturing Consent by Noam Chomsky. And another author who's also like really big in linguistics and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it goes through how our news is run and you know that big they thing that there's always like a, mm -hmm. a scapegoat or a boogeyman yep. that they have to talk about you know like in the early 2000s it was al-qaeda right. then it changed to isis and mm -hmm. now it's uh, russia again so yeah. oh right it's it it's always yeah there's that the the muslim american terrorist narrative yes which is ironic that the fbi will tell you our main culprits for domestic terrorism are not muslims mm -hmm. here in america like the random public shootings and things like that yeah it, it so, seems or targeted it, i should say not random but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's crazy that we're like the only country that has shootings all the time i don't know if there are in like mm -hmm. other countries but we're like we not just have um, so, yeah, yeah developed countries like it seems like we should be past this and i, I know like mm -hmm. talking to my parents about it they're like you know when we were growing up we didn't have to worry about all that like going to school we didn't have to like think that someone could come mm -hmm. in and shoot us like mm -hmm. i wonder why that's like a new modern kind of thing it might be publicized more or it's more common I, yeah. i'm not actually sure but i do know that um in 1993 there mm -hmm. was a mass shooting at a brown's chicken in mm -hmm. palatine illinois yeah and i know that because some of my classmates were killed mm -hmm. they weren't like best friends of mine but they were people that i knew but they were killed and that was my first experience with like a public shooting yeah and i just remember thinking the senselessness of it a guy just went in there trying to be tough and just decided to do that one day it yeah was, it was ever since then it's been like on my radar like same as you like why why does this happen so much here yeah you know yeah uh and it seems like there's like a new one coming you know it's, it's constant it's yeah. constant and uh, and you know they're closing down mental health facilities state-run mental health facilities and all that and it's just mm -hmm. like i don't know i don't think we're, we're handling it in the best way but you know mm -hmm. that's just our country right now and We'll see what happens in the future, right? Mm -hmm. We'll be talking yeah. about it on the speech circuit. Yeah. Topics, deliberating on it. So what's your favorite topic to like write a speech about, talk about? Oh, every Trump? year it would be different. Yeah. So my favorite event, so you know how I gave you the track yeah. right, analogy, my favorite event would be the humorous speaking. Mm -hmm. Because it's a persuasive speech where you argue about or present arguments towards yeah. some serious social issue, not a life or death issue, but just some issue, and then make jokes about it throughout. Yeah. So I would say that's my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right now we've got a topic on this thing called the Cassandra curse, where mm -hmm. society just ignores the warnings of scientists. Yeah. So just that whole psychological phenomenon. Mm -hmm. um, we have a speech about tough guy politicians, how recently America has seemed to, lots of voters have gravitated toward that politician that appears tough, that word, that performance of masculinity in that particular way, that scrappy cursing, I'm a tough guy. Yeah. So he has a blast with that. He gets big laughs there. Um, we have another topic about um, fat shaming in, yeah. in, in the gay male community. Okay. So with, with their um, dating apps and mm -hmm. things like that, like that's a whole issue. And it was so fun at regionals because the students got to perform live. So they got to be in a room with real people um, laughing at their jokes. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. that was fun. Yeah. So what was yours, though, like when you were in college going? What's the one you can remember most? I did a speech yeah. on um, 
I did a persuasive speech on herbal remedies. Yeah. They were like largely unregulated in the late 90s. So it oh, was wow. killing people and it was a problem. And yeah. I argued for policy change on that. I did an informative speech on mm -hmm. how mosquitoes are being genetically engineered so that they can't transmit malaria. Yeah. And now, so this is like 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Now they actually, I think, are doing it. Like they're actually genetically yeah. engineering the mosquitoes. <laughs> so I was That's giving it awesome. as a prototype. This one day will happen. Yeah. I did impromptu speaking. That's mm -hmm. where you get the random topic. Mm -hmm. and you just have two minutes to just think and come up with something. Yep. Yeah. I did a prose. That's where you perform a story. Yeah. But you like take on the first person character and you tell the story. Yeah, that's awesome though. Like, uh, so you that had you traveling like around the country, right? Doing speeches. Oh, yeah. 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 In college, we traveled a lot. Like every mm -hmm. weekend, every other weekend, we went to Kentucky. We went to Arizona. We yeah. went to all kinds of places in Illinois. And mm -hmm. now here at the community college level, we stay pretty local. Um, mm -hmm. We go to area suburbs. But in two weeks, we're going to St. Louis, well, Missouri, fun. for the national tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, been to a lot of places for the national tournament, but not, not St. Louis yet. So mm -hmm. that'll be. So what's like the biggest thing about speech that you think you could give advice on? Like the biggest thing that you hone in on of what makes a great speech? Always think of your audience. Yeah. Who are they? What would they find funny? How would they react? I'm mm -hmm. always in their heads. Yeah. You know, for everything. My second piece of advice would be to definitely practice the speech out loud mm -hmm. because it's a very different process than writing. Yeah. So do you sound like you? Do you sound conversational? Mm -hmm. Do you sound good? That's how I edit my articles. You say them out loud. I, say, I literally say them out loud because I realize like, oh, I'm just talking from my inner voice. Mm -hmm. And my inner voice is very, uh, it's not as like I'm talking to someone or informing someone. Mm -hmm. It's more like my own opinion, my own kind of thing. So yeah, that's exactly how, yeah, I had a, a writing teacher in high school that told me to do that. And that really yes. like grew my writing. My like, writing teacher in high school told me to do that. Yes. And I was like, oh, my grades went up incredibly be, yes. from just that say it out and I tell my students all the time say this out loud mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like I spent 10 minutes trying to understand what the heck you're talking about yeah. say it out loud yeah sometimes when I write <laughs> it's like a blurb you know right. it's just like whatever's in there just gets on the paper and I think like oh that's so good and then you know I give it to my dad and he's like all right say it out loud son say yeah, it out loud. <laughs> yeah and I'm like oh wait no that doesn't make sense yeah. but yeah that's exactly how it is um so yeah I don't know where to go from here. Hmm. Sorry, I'm, I'm having a brain fart. Yeah, so that's okay. So we're looking forward <laughs> to the national tournament. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, the team. And that's in two weeks in Missouri? Yeah, it's a long, mm -hmm. it's a long tournament. Is it like you know? weekend, week? It's like a week. It's a week, So it's wow. like Monday through Saturday wow. competition. Because there, again, that track meet analogy, there yeah. are so many events and there are yes. hundreds of students at this tournament. So I mean, you guys will have opportunity to like travel. I mean, yeah, like, we do be a little sightseeing. Mm -hmm. I think we're gonna go to the arch. Yeah. What else do you do in St. Louis? You know? know. So I don't. I'm not too sure. I've never been. Right. Um, yeah. So we will have time for a little bit of that. Yeah. Some coaching and practicing, and there's a banquet. Oh, okay. So we get to dress up, and that's always fun. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, is that where they give out the rewards? Is that the banquet? No, that's actually the beginning. That's like this kickoff oh, really? thing where we're all together, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what's great about our community. We want to win. We want to beat the other competitors, but there's this camaraderie and friendship that the mm -hmm. students finally got to experience because we're not online anymore. Yeah. So we've been doing online tournaments, you know, for, for months and yeah, so that'll be fun. 
Is this the first, the first like national in-person tournament since COVID? Since COVID, yeah. So my whole 2020 team got their nationals taken away. They canceled oh, for man. COVID right before, and then my 2021 team did nationals, mm -hmm. but it was online, mm -hmm. which is, I, you know, if I start talking about how I feel about online speech tournaments, you're gonna have to use the bleep tool because I'm gonna be using bad language. <laughs> it's but, okay. Could... <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of. Of, I'm sure, it's yeah. all about the live interaction yes. for me. And so this year we get to be in person. I'm so excited. Yeah. No, no I imagine that's got to be frustrating. You can't, it's hard to give a, a heartfelt speech in front of a computer. To, I, I, I coach them. Yeah. You need to talk to the red dot. I know you're not making eye contact with anyone, but like it gives yes. that impression that you're talking right through the screen at some yes. Yeah. So we did what we could. We played with the medium. Yeah. We had people popping out of frame and in a frame being funny and yeah. different kinds of things, but there's only so much you can do. Exactly. It's not, it's not the same. No, not the same. No. So you think for every speech you have to dress up every, yeah, there's this, it's, I compare it to like when you see, um, us or any, um, figure skating in the Olympics yeah. or gymnastics, you know how it's supposed to be about the figure skating or about the mm -hmm. gymnastics move, but it is a performance art. So yeah. what you as the piece of art look like matters. Yeah. So um, the community wears suits. Mm -hmm. And I think we're like the only people other than suit salesmen and people running for office that are in suits. But we do. We wear the three piece yeah. suit, you know, like and the nice shoes and the nice bag. And yeah, we work on hair. And I think a bunch of people on the team are all going to get their eyebrows done. Oh, their really? Nails done. Oh, yeah. It's because once once you advance to certain levels in the final rounds yeah the judges almost have nothing to go by because they're all good like mm -hmm. how do you pick who's first second third fourth when they're all really good at that yeah. level so i'm like have the pretty package yeah you know? so you have to have, have everything. the hair it's mm -hmm. that polished professional look yeah so and i had everybody switch out their colors i'm like it's spring let's do pastel ties and mm -hmm. shirts and you know, chunky jewelry and all that. We kind of we kind of look like politicians or newscasters. A lot of times, <laughs> parents are like, "Oh my God, what did you do to my kid?" <laughs> and I'm like, "You're welcome." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it'd be hard to get me into a three-piece suit. It is it's, hard. It's it's hard. Yeah. I struggled with it when I was in college. Yeah. It was the grunge era. It was like the '90s oh, yeah. when I walked onto a team. I'm like, "You want me to wear what?" Yeah. So I went to Sears. You know, and I'm like, I need a suit. And I put it, I'm like, I look like I'm 30, you know, yeah. it's really hard to adjust. It's a mm -hmm. weird culture, but everything is. has their culture, you mm -hmm. know? So. Yeah. I just, I hope like in my future, I don't have to get in a job where I have to dress up. I like my casual look. Most places you don't. I can't think yeah. of any places where, I think I wore some of my speech team suits to mm -hmm. the first like week that I taught here. Yeah. And I looked around at the other teachers and I was like, oh, yeah. oh. Okay, they're gonna think I'm an administrator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, uh, I just love my casual wear. You know, I, my parents have always tried to get me. You know, even like I don't know, at celebrations, graduations, mm -hmm. dress up, dress up. If it's school dances, yep. It's just like I, I hate it. It's hard because every single person mm -hmm. in your generation has writing on their clothing. Yes, it's always like. Some kind of label, some yeah. kind of writing. Or a band that you have no idea who it is. Mm -hmm. Not you, but your generation. They're yes. walking around. I'm like, oh my God, Led Zeppelin. And they're like, uh, yeah, I don't know any of the songs. Yeah, Nirvana. Yeah, I'm seeing that Nirvana. Yeah, probably one of the biggest clothing brands right now is Nirvana. Right. Yeah. I'm like, 
And I'm like, it smells like Teen Spirit. And they're like, what are you saying to me? I'm like, oh. Yeah. They don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it, man. Yeah, I grew up right after that grunge era where, like, pop punk really came into the mm-hmm. into the fold. That's I remember, like, that's, like, the first stuff I heard. The first song I ever remember hearing was Shadow of a Day by Linkin Park. Oh, yeah. yeah. Linkin Park. Yeah. yeah. That's, some, that's some hard stuff. <laughs> some oh, hard stuff yeah. um but i've i grew up right after that grunge era and my sister was super into like the screamo heavy metal mm-hmm. kind of when that was really really big you know it still is big but it, it's phased out a little bit more now like i think biscuit. yeah more like um let me see like bring me the horizon mm-hmm. um suicide silence mm-hmm. slipknot i don't listen to them but yeah, I know. Yeah, I know the very sound. angry music. Yep, the screaming. Yes, totally heard it. Yeah, totally a thing. You know, totally the first things I was into listening to. I mean, that was my older sister. So like, when you're when you're a younger child, you're always trying you're to be like them. To what, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that's what, I, what about you? What, what do you think was your first like intro to music? Um, okay, so go yes. back to early '90s. Early '90s. The hard rocker, Motley Crue, Poison, oh, okay. rock anthems that quickly, quickly became just a pariah of the whole scene. Everybody's like, ew, you know, with yes. the huge hair and the black choker and yeah. And they're like, stop, we're going to introduce mm-hmm. this thing called like alternative rock. And yes. then it got more that grungy than the Nirvana and the Pearl Jam and all that mm-hmm. came. And it was, it was fine. I was like into it. I'm like, as long as it's not house music, yeah. if anyone can define that. So, <laughs> and that was fine. Um, but yeah, I got out of that. I had the Motley Crue poster oh, and yeah. all that hard rock stuff. And that, that was just my, I was in high school. That was what was in, you yeah. know, that's what everybody was listening to. And then after that, I, oh, I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. So my mom does too. Yeah. That's her favorite it's band. It's a great band. Mm-hmm. That's a it's great, a great one. Band. It's not the screamy, but it's got a sound. Yeah. You know, yeah. And thank goodness it's not. Sometimes I'm embarrassed. Like when I go back and listen to like Motley Crue's lyrics or whatever, I'm like, really? I don't yes. think I knew what they were saying, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like in music, what I've noticed is like, there's a big, like, like a scene comes out, right? Mm-hmm. A new genre, a new scene, whatever. And it's more like progressive. So like, they keep making like these new music, these new, this new sound and everything. And then it changes into more of like an image. And then it's like that 80s rock. So like think of 70s rock to 80s rock and compare that. And like people start getting the crazy hair, leather stuff, you know, all that kind of crap. And then you get, I, th- I think there's like a counterculture to everything like that comes yes, out of that. So like, yeah, like yeah. there's a counterculture with grunge that was to 80s. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even with hip hop right now, like it started off in the 90s when it first started getting really big, um, you know, just progressive kind of boom bap music where guys were literally given like poems out mm-hmm. over a beat. And now it's more like, you know, that flashy kind of we're going to party kind of thing. Yeah. And I think there's going to be another counterculture to there that will be. in the future, you know, because right now it's the it's the bling era. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I got the five separate diamond chains, you know, gold in my mouth. Oh, my God. It's all that image. Kind all of, of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Ariana Grande. Even though yes. She's, you know, yeah. It's taken over pop, too. Yeah. It's taken over pop. I am seeing. um in my daughter's generation this a little bit of materialism creeping back yeah we had it in the late 80s early 90s then we were all like nah goodwill grunge we're Mm -hmm. cool and now i'm like seeing like the labels come back yes it's all coming (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i wish it i I wish it didn't but like 
Yeah, I was never like a label kind of guy. Right. I've always was like growing up. I've always been like, oh, I want to do something outside the norm. I want to like not be what everyone else is doing and do my own kind of thing. You know, I think that's why I never really was like into like any like school events or like anything Mm -hmm. like that. I was more, you know, I was a Boy Scout for most of my Mm -hmm. life. So I was just always going camping, always outside. You know, that's where I kind of learned to be around boys because I grew up with two older sisters, you know, so I was just like, I was just caught in like this little uh, thing where I felt like I was kind of separate from the mainstream, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of where I've always kind of wanted to be. That's to bring it back full circle. What you just described as the typical speech team student. Really? There. I mean, who 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 signs up to engage in competitive public speaking? Like, who does that? These are those people that are like, I'm not really mainstream. I don't care. It's not that I don't fit in. I don't care to try to fit in. This is I'm different. And Mm -hmm. I get this conglomerate of people that are so different and so not in the mainstream. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. I love hearing like the passion about it. Like, I just love hearing Mm -hmm. people passionately talk about what they love. And I could just really get it all from you. Like, it's just pouring out. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think this is a good spot to end off. Yeah. Speaking of speech team, I do have to go coach one of them in like 10 minutes. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for coming on. Yes. That was great. That was great. Thank you.